Welcome to the NBDA podcast, interviews with industry leaders and subject experts from across the business development world. Join us as we talk about real-world experiences, challenges, and opportunities that can take your career to the next level. The NBDA podcast is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Dave Spray. Hi, this is David Spray, and welcome to another episode of the official podcast of the National Business Development Association. My guests today are Carrie Faruqi and Candace Hinderer, co-founders of Arcus Advisors right here in Houston, Texas. They founded the business in October of 2020 in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. We talked about why they started their business, the timing of starting it during a pandemic, lessons learned, things they wish they knew when they were 25 years old, and perhaps most importantly, what their go-to food is, Tex-Mex or barbecue. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Candice, Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. So I have been really excited to have you all on the podcast because I just love your story and I love how recent your firm is and the fact that you managed to launch right in the middle of COVID. So so let's just go through. So so Candace, why don't you just take a minute and just give us a little bit about your background? Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I started my career in public accounting, like so many of us do in this industry on the consulting side, and started with Deloitte, was there for four years in the audit group. Then went over into a financial reporting role with a drilling, a publicly traded drilling company. Did that for a few years before hitting shell trading, gas and power, which is where I learned all about derivatives and hedging and all the fun accounting that goes with that. And then Enron happened, which created a a new regulation called Sarbanes-Oxley, which enabled or disabled, I guess, the public accounting firm from auditing their clients that they also consulted for. So it created a lot Mm -hmm. of boutique consulting firms. So I left Shell to go work for one of those boutique consulting firms here in Houston. And that's actually where I met Carrie. She started a bit before I did, but I was there for 10 years, you know, and that's where we really developed kind of our, our passion around client service and doing the right thing and doing it the right way and just really had a lot of similarities in our approach to to business and client service. Left that firm about five years ago to go and work for Alvarez and Marsal, which is a, another consulting firm, seeing a pattern here in the consulting, sure. and, which just we just love helping companies get really get to their next stage and helping the people in those companies really you know accomplish their their goals. And so anyway, I did that for a few years. I led their actually relationship development efforts for one of their business units. And But during this time, Carrie and I just continued to talk and what do we want to do? What do we want to be? You know, we definitely knew we wanted to do something together. We just weren't sure what it was. And so we just kept getting calls also from our former clients and our former colleagues and our former, you know, candidates, honestly, who said, can you help me? Can you... Can you help me do this? Do you know anyone? And so finally, we were just like, what are we waiting for? Let's just do this. And so that's 
kind of how Arcus came into being. And so I'm a, you know, I'm a CPA by trade, but really fell into the business development side of the business uh, just because I love getting out and developing relationships and talking to people and figuring out what they need. And here we are. That's awesome. So Carrie, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Absolutely. Um, it's going to sound just like Candace's. Okay. <laughs> um, because it is kind of a normal track that a lot of us follow in the accounting world. So I started my career at Anderson in public accounting. And then from there, I, I went to work for Centerpoint Energy when they were going through their deregulation and spinning off from Re- Reliant back in 04 uh, or 01. And so worked in their SEC reporting group for several years. And but like Candace said, you know, when all of these consulting firms were formed in 04, 05, it was just very interesting to me because I really like the project type work. I like getting to do different things and I like using my skills to help people and help improve their their work environment as much as I can. So decided to go into consulting. And so I did, I, I've done that at really ever since. Um, I worked at a consulting firm for about 12 years before deciding to go back into industry. And so went to work for a company called Hoover Ferguson and was their VP of finance for almost four years before joining forces with Candace and starting Arcus. That's, that's great. Yeah. Thank you for that background. So there's two parts of our backgrounds, my background and yours that intersect one in a good way, one in a not so good way. So the good way is I also started my career at Arthur Anderson a, a few years before you, but I was in the audit practice in Houston Now, the part of our background that's not so positive is I attended a large state school in Austin. So, uh, and I know you went to A&M. So yes, yes, I'm uh, I'm a Longhorn. So, so hopefully you'll still continue the interview though. Hopefully that's not a deal breaker. (laughs) Of course not. Okay. So let's, let's talk, talk about Arcus. First off, where did the name come from? What's the meaning behind it? Yeah, so Arcus, that one. Yeah, absolutely. So Arcus is the Latin word for arch. And so we just felt it was a great representation of how we like to support our clients. So, and quite frankly, we just liked the way it sounded as well. So pretty, pretty simple. Well, took a I long like time it. to come up with it. No, <laughs> I like it. I like the logo. It, it was done. Yeah, I like the logo. Now the the semi arch makes sense. I like the alliterative nature of it, and and I love the fact your your logo's black and white because right as accountants, right we're we're black and white. Okay, so so Latin for arch, and was there anything particular about the timing of when you started it? Did COVID have uh, anything mm-hmm. to do with it, or would you? Y'all have started it then anyway. And why do I let you answer first, Carrie? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly had an impact, but maybe not in the way you, you might think. It, it actually delayed us. We had intended on launching the firm in April um, of 2020. Which, oh, wow. Remember, 
not ideal time. Yes. <laughs> so the world pretty much shut down that month. <laughs> so we, you know, just just hit the pause button. We had no doubt. I mean, we're humans are very resilient, and I feel like you know we're that the business world in Houston is extremely resilient. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that we did know is we would recover and we would be okay. Business would, the business environment would be okay. And if nothing else, it would come back stronger than ever. And so, you know, we, we took the summer and just can, you know, use that time to strategize even more about, you know, what's our messaging going to be, you know, what is our focus going to be when we launch? And finally we, you know, we got through the summer and and just said, you know, I think I think the time is right. Let's let's go for it, and decided to launch in October. And okay. so we we did that so that you know the market was not great at that time, but we did feel like you know with everything being shut down that you know the the when the floodgates opened there was going to be a lot of work in our industry, mm. and that has proved to be very true. So. I feel like our timing was great. That's that is awesome. So this next question, why don't I direct it to Candace? So Candace, talk to me about the tools and the strategies you all use to plan and manage your growth. Okay, great. Yes, thank you. Because we, it's so funny. We were just talking about it yesterday. Uh, we looked across. So we sit. We share an office right now, and we we have that those desks, and we face each other. So we're constantly just you know strategizing and brainstorming and and running our business together that way. And you know, Carrie looked up and she's like, I I can't imagine not running this company without EOS, which is the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which mm-hmm. is you know found in the book Traction which I'm sure a lot of your, your folks are familiar with. But if sure. they're not, I just say every company, no matter the size, should be applying so many of the tools or using so many of the tools that are in that book and in that process. And what's most important for us is, well, first of all, we set all our goals, you know, when we first started the business, you know, what we want to do over the next year, one year, three year, 10 year, right? And then you back mm-hmm. into what you're, quarterly goals are and then from there you back in to you know what and what you are going to do weekly to accomplish those goals each quarter and so we meet every week it's called a level 10 meeting that we have with each other it's just the two of us right now you know obviously the larger we grow it's gonna you know have more folks in on that those leadership and level 10 meetings but right now it's just the two of us and it does keep us focused on what is important for that quarter and, you know, really asking each other, holding each other accountable because we've been accountability partners for a long time, but a lot of times things don't actually happen. But with this system, we've been able to really exceed, you know, everything we thought we were going to be doing this year and, and, and beyond so far. So, you know, we set a revenue goal, we set a people goal, and we're 50% above, you know, probably more than 50% above that for people, but certainly 50% above that for, for revenues. And so it's just been such an amazing result by utilizing those tools. I just, I can't say enough about them. Yeah, I can, I can confirm that because one of my, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I've owned a number of businesses. And one of those 
is my podcasting business that I started earlier this year with a partner. And we use EOS religiously. And it's really just the two of us. So I can appreciate the weekly level 10 meeting with just uh, two people. So I can I can echo mm-hmm. the sentiments that it has really made a big difference. Anyway, I'd kind of interrupted you as you were saying. Oh, no, not at all. I just, it's just when I think about that accountability, like we'll get to a point and part of what you're supposed to do is if you're, you know, week by week goes by and you're still not, you're not doing what you said you were going to do as far as your action items. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to look at them and say, why do we really need this? And why are you not doing it? And it's just right. really so introspective to your, to, as a per, you know, to yourself, like, why am I not doing this? I've, I've got mm-hmm. all this other stuff going on and we're, we're doing great, but why am I not doing this? Do we really need it? And it's so funny that we were talking about, you know, walking in earlier, walking into a, a networking function, you know, one of our, so our business is built on, really helping these private equity backed portfolio companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of private equity events and networking events that go on. And so that was, you know, when we first started the business, like, okay, we need to be attending these events. And of course every week would go by. It was like, have, have we, have I done that? So that was my, that was my, my takeaway with my action item. Nope, nope, nope. Finally, you know, two months in or to our quarter, you know, why are you not doing that? Cause I don't want to. I just don't want to. And so, but by that time we had decided it was, and and we were doing the work, you know, we were getting the work in different avenues, from different avenues, our referral sources, relationships, et cetera. It didn't make sense for us to even do that, you know, and the more people we talked to, it was like, you know, those, as, as with everything in our business, it is built on relationships. I'm not going to increase that relationship by necessarily walking into that particular type of networking event. So anyway, it's just, that's just one example of how we took it off the list. And then it that's came off great. My, guilt, my guilt table, you know, <laughs> that is great. Well, let's, let me turn the next question over to Carrie. So there was just the first, just the two of you to start, but it sounds like you quickly started building up the team. So how do you attract, hire and retain really great talent? Well, it's like everything else we do. It's all based on our relationship that we've formed in our 20, 20 plus. plus. I'm going to keep it at 20 plus. Just say plus. <laughs> 20 plus year career. <laughs> you know, we've, we've worked with a lot of people. And one thing that I, I know is that, you know, good, good people recognize other good people. And so we are able to just kind of connect that way. And as far as attracting the talent to Arcus, I believe, and we've, we've received feedback on this as well, but, you know, one thing that's important to Candace and I is that we, we just are always authentic. You know, we, we mm-hmm. try to be open and honest and transparent and authentic with everything that we do, but especially our people. We, we want to create an environment that they feel, you know, where they feel valued and they want to work. And it's just an enjoyable, fun environment where you can grow and develop your professional career as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's gone a long way. Yeah, it sounds like it. When I look at your new hire announcements on your website, it, it really sounds like you've hired some, some great people. Yeah, and I, I, if I could just interject yeah. too as well. 
it's so funny because we just did a post yesterday about someone that we hired over a year ago and it just speaks to I've we've known her for how many years since 20 2007 she was one of my first clients when I started working back in the consulting world in Houston and you know she's just always been it was so wonderful to work for someone who you could see internally in their, at their corporate job they were the consultant internally you know they were the ones who got the projects they always got help we can't how do we how do we fix this right you've always got those people so accountant by trade right but was always doing project work internally and i guess if i if i just want to speak to the folks out there who are all your huge audience listening that are happen to be in the accounting space in the in a corporate job you know you know if look at what you enjoy doing and if you do love doing those projects you know that's that's what we do and so this particular consultant that we just hired a year ago to help us build this firm you know she was a client i had also she ended up being a candidate at one point that we had placed you know my old firm into mm -hmm. another company and at that company she was seen as you know the you know best project manager and she gets it done and you know she wanted to continue to do that so we just kept talking to her and she took the leap and came over when we were literally three people in the firm and you know she's been 100 percent busy ever since because she's just that type of problem solver so those are the types of people that you know we love to talk to and bring on and so i would just say you know evaluate what you enjoy doing and mm -hmm. some people do enjoy the knowing where they're going to be. You know, it does take a different type of personality to consult, right? You don't necessarily know what the client's going to be like. You don't necessarily know what the work is going to be, to be quite honest with you. You get out there to do one thing and they actually need something else. And, you know, it's just, it's problem solving. So, and, you know, enjoying that, you know, maybe not knowing where it's going to go kind of thing, but okay, helping clients. Yeah. Yeah. And, and while while you have the floor, talk to me a bit more about about because it seems like you all have been strategic in hiring senior people as opposed to kind of the normal consulting model, right? Where you're trying to hire junior people and then kind of bring them along. What was the thinking behind starting with you know senior people? Well, we just our clients. Well, one of the differentiators for us, and actually Carrie's probably the, the better one to answer this because she's out in the field a lot more, but, you know, one of our differentiators is that we're, we bring solutions that are efficient. We're not going to put a five or 10 person team out there for a scoping, you know, we're right. going to put very qualified people to get in there who have sat in your chair, right? People who have already been a controller, who have been a chief accounting officer, who have been a VP of finance. You know, they understand the issues that you're facing and they know they don't need a lot of fancy deliverables and, and administrative type work put on this. You know, we need people mm -hmm. to come in and help us solve our problem and tell us what we need to do and get it done. So the folks at the senior level can get in and see that and they also roll up their sleeves. So that's the type of person that we bring in as well. They're, they're going to get in there, they're going to help you and they're going to roll up their sleeves and do it. They're not, they're not just going to, you know, oversee it and have a team of, you know, I guess less experienced folks. So initially sure. starting the firm, that was definitely our strategy. Wouldn't you agree, Carrie? 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, we do we do like to, you know, hire people that are have less experience and more junior just to kind of maintain that pipeline and help balance out our folks. But yeah, in in the consulting world, you've got to be able to get in there and quickly identify the issue and come up with a solution that's that's sustainable, practical and sustainable. And so, you know, that that's the type of people that we hire and put out with our clients. No, I and that we makes do have, sense. Go ahead. And we do have quite a few, sorry to interrupt. We do have um I would say quite a few, I well, want quite a few maybe um less experienced. So we do have folks who are right at that seven to 10 year level, but bringing in somebody who is, you know, less than seven years is going to be tough just because we, we need our clients to understand that these people are going to be able to, you know, see the problem and get to work right right away. Yep. Yep. No, I, I, I get it. That makes sense. So while we're kind of talking about solving clients' problems, there's a guy named Dan Sullivan who has a coaching firm called Strategic Coach. And he talks about that he says the first step for an entrepreneur is to figure out who he wants to be, who he or she wants to be a hero to. Start with that and then figure out like the solution to that person. It sounds like you you all are pretty clear on who it is you're trying to be a hero to. Why don't you kind of talk a bit more about that? What is that role that person has? What are the problems and challenges they have that you all are trying to to help solve? Carrie, why don't I let you go first? Yeah, absolutely. So we, our focus is on the private equity backed portfolio companies. You know, the, those that's our target because they they typically have need a are going through a lot of change and you know either the the staff that that they are currently doesn't necessarily have the experience or they they there aren't enough of them they don't have the bandwidth to to get through the amount of work that's required when these companies are going through change. And so that's where we feel like we can come in and have the biggest impact. It's the most rewarding type of work because in my opinion because you know you really can go in there and you know if if you look at an accounting team a lot of times we're the first ones in the office and the last ones to leave. We give up weekends and holiday time because our deadlines are non-negotiable. Oftentimes, we're the we're the last ones on the chain. So, you know, it it we we work a lot and and we work a lot because things aren't always done properly on the front end and because you know, the, there's inefficiencies in processes. And so with the right system, the right process improvement, getting enough people, you can really turn things around and have an impact. You can automate things. And, and you know, when, when Candace and I look at our why are we doing this and we really try to answer that question, it, it always comes back to, you know, really trying to improve somebody's quality of life, you know, there's, why why should we have to work a weekend or a mm-hmm. holiday? Let's let's fix things so that we can stop doing that. No, I I uh, I can appreciate that, and my all of my businesses are all. 
professional services driven. So I can completely appreciate that, that relationship. And it's, I find it to be very satisfying to, to be that hero for somebody. I mean, that may be a little bit of a strong word, but where you really have made a, a impact and improved their work life and their, their non-work life, I, I find it to be very gratifying. Yeah. And in the end, when you're doing that for your people, your, your business is going to thrive, right? So sure. if I'm talking to a, a CFO or a chief accounting officer and, you know, their people are working so much and because the processes are broken and now they're losing people, especially in this environment. Oh my gosh, the great resignation, right? So mm-hmm. people are not going to, they've just got more opportunities right now, especially for remote work. And there's just all kinds of turnover and all kinds of industries and businesses and size. And, you know, if they could just, so if I'm talking to that CFO you know, obviously that is a huge stressor. He's losing all, he or she is losing all of these people, you know, if we can come in and help that person fix a process and, and speak to the, you know, other side of the house, which I'll say is the operations folks and sales and those guys and gals to help them understand that it starts at the front end of the pipeline. We can get all that fixed. So then not only are the accountants working less and being able to provide information more quality information to the operations team, then the business just thrives and it grows and everyone's working together. I mean, it's a win-win. It really is. So it's, it's just good for business. That's, that's great. And I, I would echo those thoughts. So given that this podcast is called the, the official podcast of the National Business Development Association, let's talk a little bit about NBDA and business development. So you you touched on that although initially you thought that networking type events might be your best uh, business development strategy, that it sounds like over time you discovered that really it was just more of one-on-one relationship development with perhaps people that you already knew, centers of influence and prospects. Is that about right or am I missing something there? Carrie, why do I let you go first? Yeah, um, we. I don't know that we ever thought that networking events were going to be our go-to because we we are we are your typical accountant. We are introverts, so the thought of going to a networking event is just right. Even thinking about it right now, it's exhausting, and I'm not even going. To. <laughs> <laughs> I can sit down one-on-one with somebody that I you know, have a relationship with and be energized by that conversation. So, you know, we, we've, we've always known that our business development is going to come from our relationships. And so that is our primary focus. I mean, we, we always want to be considering other options, you know, should, should we attend this event? Should we go to this or that? But at the end of the day, I think our, our focus is to only only participate in those things that give us energy. And so that, you know, sometimes that could be a networking event, right? If they've got a great speaker that's going to be there. I mean, that if we can walk away with some sort of energy behind us, I mean, that just helps propel us even more. So that, that, that is our focus in business development is doing those things, participating in those things that give us energy. 
Yep. I had a guest on the show a few episodes back. I don't remember who it was. And I was asking them what percentage of their time they spend on business development. And they indicated that, that a lot of the business development comes from just doing great client work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so I found that to be, be interesting. You know, I think there's this joke around why accountants are more outgoing than engineers and how you can tell them apart at a networking event. And I think it goes, the engineer, while they're talking to people, stare at their own shoes, but the accountant stares at the shoes of the other person. So they're slightly more <laughs> outgoing than, than the engineers. Oh, I believe wow. it. I believe it. Um, but it th- does and sound like, say, go ahead. I was just going to say about, obviously, NBDA has, you know, luncheons and breakfasts and Zoom calls, which I have attended quite a few of those and always, always, always get something out of it, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's, it's usually, you know, all, almost always a fantastic speaker. I mean, there have been CEOs up there who are speaking. How do you not want to listen to what the CEOs think of, you know, what we're doing out there in the industry? So I do always get something out of it. I will say I'm sweating as I walk into that big room, but, you know, I do always get something out of it and, and just, you know, have those small conversations with the people I happen to be sitting around. So it always, it it was always a good, good experience. Yeah, the thing I always appreciate about those events was that you would you would end up seated at a table with you know four or five other people, because I find that a whole room is kind of overwhelming for my introverted introverted personality. But I do okay at a table with four or five people. Yeah, and so exactly. I find that's one of the great things about the fact that their events, in person events, usually are around a sit down uh, meal makes it easier to have those uh, small groups uh, put together. Do you find the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can, I'm small groups are the best for me. Okay. So now comes as we're wrapping up here, I'd like to ask a couple curveball questions. So I, I have two. (laughs) So the first is, and I'll let, I'll let Carrie go first on this one. What do you wish you knew when you were 25 years old that you know now? I'm assuming you want the business answer. <laughs> Any of them. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is, a, this is a question that I think I borrowed from Tim Ferriss. How much, how much time do we have? <laughs> how, about one, how about just one thing that comes to mind that you wish you would have known you know, yeah. when you were 25? That... As long as you're willing to work hard and you are open and honest, it's not that hard to make create a business and be successful at it. It's just yes. not that difficult. I thought that there was a lot of, I, I mean, I never in a million years imagined I would have started my own business. It, it wasn't ever in my nature. But I finally, you know, my age gained the confidence to to step out on my own. And it's something that I probably could have done a long time ago, but I just didn't have that confidence. Yep, I can I totally get that. I launched my 
first business at, I think I was about 40. And, and then Chris, my wife saw how well it worked out for me. And she thought, well, I'm twice as talented as that Yahoo. So just think what I could do. So that's when she launched her business. But once you launch a business, you realize like, it's really not that big a deal, right? You get a, you, yeah. you, you spend $300 with the secretary of state to form a company. You, you have a name, you acquire a website, and then you're able to, to then start keeping a hundred percent of the uh, revenue that mm-hmm. you generate as opposed to when you're an employee that you only get a relatively small portion of it. I say it with the two of you collectively because obviously there's two of you. Well, that is a great insight. So in summary, that you that if you knew then how relatively easy it was to start a business in an area that you already an expert in that you might have considered doing it sooner is that about right yeah and keep and and kind of going back to what you said about you know being an employee you know it's just i always saw security in that mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that was what I viewed as the secure route to always get that paycheck, you know, every, every two weeks or so, right. Versus mm-hmm. launching a business and not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm in control of my own destiny now. And I think there's a lot more security in that than, you know, than being an employee. Yeah. And, and it, I, I've found the same thing. And when you think about it, logically, it makes sense, right? It's a concentration risk issue. When you're an employee, a hundred percent of your revenue, your income comes from one company. But mm-hmm. when you're a consultant with, you know, say if you have 10 clients, well, now you're spreading that income over 10 different companies. It's like if you're doing an acquisition and you were thinking about that acquiree, you'd say, oh my God, they have a huge revenue concentration risk, right? All their revenue comes from one client. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've found that too. So Candace, how about you? What do you wish you might've known when you were 25? Can I just say what she said? Okay. What what Carrie said. Okay. (laughs) That's a good one. That's always, that's always a safe answer, Candace. You know, what she said always, that's what I said from the beginning, right? It's so funny because at 25, I mean, I was, so I was a non-traditional student. I was still in college. I graduated when I was 27 before going to work for Deloitte. And gosh, I guess at 25, I would say, yeah, don't, don't. Don't quit college. That'd probably be your first advice. Don't don't quit college. Well, I'd already got to that, that point. But no, don't, you know, don't be small. You can, you can. You're, you know, you're, you're smart enough to, you know, be more confident. Just know that you're going to, you're going to do well. And there's a lot of people out there who, you know, will appreciate what you're doing and just keep doing it. You know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, I guess. Be brave. You got this. That's, that's great. And I think it's even, I even have greater appreciation for what you all have accomplished because I came from a similar background, you know, starting in public accounting and face it, it seems like the accounting profession does not tend to attract, especially outgoing risk-taking type people, because if they were like that, they maybe wouldn't have even gone to college in the first place. They would have just started some venture, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that you all have taken the uh, the leap and welcome to the to the entrepreneurial club. Good to have you on the, on the team. 
Thank so you. The, we love the last it. curve, the last curveball question, I'm going to make Candace answer first so that she can't <laughs> piggyback on <laughs> Carrie's answer. <laughs> now, this is a question. Of, this is a question I've stolen from Chris Hanslick, the uh, managing partner and chairman of Boyer Miller. Do you all know Boyer Miller, the law firm in Houston? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Chris has a podcast that we help him with. And so here's the question. I've stolen it from him. And so you go first, Candace. Tex-Mex or barbecue? Tex-Mex all day. All day. Okay. Carrie? Every day. Lunch and dinner. Okay. Yeah. Carrie? Tex-Mex all day, every day. That's awesome. Well, is there anything that we didn't cover that y'all think we should have? I don't think so. I mean, I feel like, well, Carrie, do you, as I say, no, do you have anything? No, I think, I think that it's been great. Yeah, we really appreciate this. I mean, we're, we're, you know, if we could get the message out to some more female entrepreneurs out there, more women, you know, just, you know, look at what you're doing. You know, is this something that you could be doing on your own? Do you have people that support you and, I'm sure that you do. You know, don't don't be afraid. You can do this. I, I'm with Carrie. I mean, I'm I'm quite a few years older than she is, and I just there's a part of me that wishes we had done this earlier. But we've gained so much confidence and relationships that that, that took us this long to get here. So I, I'm very happy with where we are and what we're doing. I mean, exceedingly happy. So, but just don't limit yourself. So I just we're so happy in this space right now. And thanks for having us. Oh, that is great. Well, it has been my pleasure. I think there's been a lot of great takeaways. And so I recognize that you all work a lot and you all are very busy. So I just wanted to personally thank you for taking time out of your day in the middle of your day to to be on the show. And so I just want you to know how much I appreciate that. And I know the listeners are really going to enjoy this. Well, great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Well, with that, let's go ahead and wrap up. And I hope you both have a great day. Thank you. You as well, Dave. Thanks. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at podcast.nbda.co. And you can find out more about being a member of the National Business Development Association at nbda.co. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.